Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arab Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815, on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook, Pre-Arab Excellence Group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, a primer on NRIs. And ask me questions if I was confusing. A primer on NRIs. NRIs are non-roster invites. And every team has non-roster invites. Players they invite to spring training to get a look at them in the Major League Spring Training uh, scenario. Um, Environment. I like environment better than scenario there. Yeah, environment. Um, two basic types of NRIs exist. One is the internal NRI, for instance. Brennan Davis, let's call you up to spring training. Okay, sure, cool, excellent. Chase Strump, let's call you up. Okay, sure, cool, fine, no problem. And then there are the ones like uh, Locke St. John, who we are not really very familiar with, or Eric Yardley a side armor reliever who had been with the Brewers last year. Out of a gig, the Cubs offered both Yardley and St. John a non-roster invite as a bit of an inducement to sign a minor league deal with the Cubs. So both of them, uh, it was a little bit different than Chase Strumpf, And when someone gets an NRI, that's generally a good thing regardless. Generally a good thing regardless. It's really difficult to come up with a situation where someone getting a minor league deal is a bad situation for the team. Really hard to imagine. Because if a guy is on an NRI and he comes in, and he is not good, not ready, not going to help the team, then they either send him to double A, send him to triple A, or release him. It's really not a huge problem, and there is no huge financial contract, financial contractual burden or anything like that. If the guy's not ready, if the the guy's not going to help, then you'll release him. It's not a problem. If he will eventually possibly help, then you send them to double A, send them to triple A. Hey, we're going to send you over here. You have a couple things you got to work on. And if you do well in Des Moines, <coughs> then you might get called up to the majors. There's really not a huge bad thing about someone being invited on an NRI. The premise with the NRI, <coughs> it's kind of along the lines of a draft pool. With a draft, you have 20 players that you select. Hopefully, you sign about 20 of them. Last cycle around, the Cubs signed 18 and signed some additional post-draft players. And you look at that pool of players and compare that pool of players to the pools of players that other teams have. And, hey, how did these guys do? So, you compare the... NRIs the Cubs have 
compare them to the NRIs the Reds have or the Giants have or the Phillies have or the Red Sox have or the Blue Jays have or whoever it is. And ask the question, how did these guys do as compared to other players over the upcoming season? Last cycle, I I didn't look it up, but uh, Patrick Wisdom was an NRI. Rafael Ortega was an NRI. So the Cubs got some value out of their NRIs. If you get value out of your NRIs, that's a good thing. If other teams are constantly smashing you in their NRI bring-ins, then they're doing better at it than you are. But each team each year has the opportunity to, hey, we're going to invite some players as NRIs to spring training and keeping an eye on those 20 players or so, possibly splitting them mentally between players who were already in the organization and people who were actually invited, 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 um, induced, as it were. And you get to start to assess how the NRIs have done. And... Will Locke St. John or Eric Yardley help the Cubs whatsoever on into the future? I don't know. I don't know, but the Cubs have done a rather decent job here the last couple of years with the Pitch Lab. And if Pitch Lab helps St. John, Yardley, Matt Dermody, and others upgrade the AAA bullpen in Iowa which would then um, complementary in a complementary fashion upgrade the Cubs bullpen in Tennessee because the pitcher that's good enough to start the season in Iowa is good enough to start the season in Iowa. In general, a team will be able to tell you have the 16, 17, 18, 20 relievers fighting over spots, and the team's going to be able to decide, okay, these are the guys that are going to stick with the Major League team. These are the guys that are going to go to Iowa. And then from that, these are the guys that are going to have to go to Double A. These are the guys that are going to get released, however it ends up working. But if the players who are brought in as NRIs do really well, whether they make the Major League roster or not, but they do really well. They at least go to AAA and get an honest look there. And what that ends up doing is you have other players like Kane Eckert. Kane Eckert was a third-day draft selection in 2019, basically an afterthought. Did adequately in 2019, as I remember. 2020, he did nothing because there was no minor leagues for him. Then 2021, he was very good in, as I remember, South Bend, Advanced A South Bend, and Double A Tennessee. He did very well in both of those. And now he's positioned to go to Triple A Iowa. But if the Cubs have enough good arms in Triple A, then Eckert can be sent back down to Double A, which is good for the organization, though not necessarily good for Eckert. 
So if you have a whole bunch of good pitchers in AAA, like Locke St. John and um, Eric Yardley and whoever it ends up being, if there are a whole bunch of guys that are going to kick it out in AAA and make it difficult for AAA hitters to do well against them, then players are sent to AA that otherwise would have been sent to AAA, whereas if the Cubs end up having uh, three, four, or five weeks into the Iowa season, well, this guy that we brought in as an NRI, he has an ERA of 7.5, and, and he's not getting it done. This guy's terrible. This guy's already hurt, done for the year. This guy's not doing it. Well, then you have to start letting people go. The hope is the NRI players that you bring in position themselves to once spots are made available. Once spots are made available, they can take some of those spots. That's the hope. That's the goal. Because after all, as we now know, if a player gets to the point where he is optioned five times in a season, he is then put on waivers. So if the Cubs get to a point where someone is getting toward the limit early on in the season, perhaps you move on from him and call up an Eric Yardley. Bring up Eric Yardley. How's he going to do? I don't know. Let's see. You can't tell until you find out. So you plug in Eric Yardley. He has six outings. Five of them are terrible. One of them's adequate. You let him go. Then you bring up Matt Dermody. The goal with having multiple pitchers in AAA who are doing well out of the bullpen. If you look at the Cubs AAA bullpen and four, five, six, seven, eight, of the relievers at AAA are doing well, then the Cubs have some logical call-ups. If you look at the AAA bullpen and only one of the relievers is doing well, that is problematic. And that is where the Cubs had been far, 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 far too many years between, oh, I don't know, 2017 and the beginning of time. The Cubs just didn't have quality relievers developing in the pipeline. They just didn't. They weren't there. They were nowhere. Now, last year, regardless which month, hey, this guy's doing fairly well. This other guy's doing fairly well. This other guy's doing fairly well. So the Cubs ended up calling up, for instance, Ryan Meisinger, who'd been doing very well in AAA. Very well in AAA. He didn't do well at the major league level, but he'd done well at AAA. So at least calling him up made sense. It didn't cash, but it made sense at the time because why? He was doing well at AAA. If a player is doing well at AAA, he justifies a look at the major league level. Plug that mindset in with Brennan Davis, Chase Strumpf, Andy Weber, all non-roster invite receivers for um, spring training. If players at AAA are doing well, then they are logical call-up options. If they are not doing well at AAA, then they are not logical call-up options. And that's the way it goes. It's not a case of, I want the I-Cubs to go 31 and 16 
early in the season because it's vitally important for the I-Cubs to go 31-16 and 16 in their first 47 games. That's not the point. The point is, the point is, the more players the I-Cubs have that are doing well at the time, the more players that it makes sense to consider as logical call-ups at that time if moves are necessary. For instance, I'll use one that really didn't end up turning out to be anything but late, 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 late in the iCubs season in 2021, Trace Thompson was doing quite well for the iCubs. And the Cubs had a few injuries, and Trace Thompson made sense to get a major league call up. Did fairly well. There were some people that wanted him to get a 40-man roster spot over the offseason. He didn't get one. I don't know where Trace Thompson is right now, actually. But um, he didn't end up getting a 40-man roster spot over the offseason. But he had done well in AAA Iowa, which meant it makes sense, made sense to at least take a look at him at the major league level. Why did it make sense to take a look at Frank Schwindel at the major, major league level? Because he was doing well in AAA. If a person is doing well in, insert minor league level here, whichever level it is, whichever level it is. If a guy is doing well at any certain minor league level, call him the heck up. But he has to be doing well at that level. It doesn't matter which level it is. If it's high A, he's doing rather well. There are a bunch of guys that they were doing really well in high A ball. They got promoted to double A. Cool. You plug him in there. How's he doing in double A? If he's doing well in double A, then consider calling him up to triple A. As long as a player keeps doing well, and oftentimes five or six weeks is a good time period to base it on. If a player is doing well at a certain level, then it makes sense to consider calling them up to the next level if you give it five or six weeks and they're still doing well. It doesn't matter the level. It doesn't matter the position. The best predictive way to project whether somebody is going to do well at the next level is if they're doing well at their current level. If somebody is shredding it at double A and there is an availability at triple A, then you call the player up. Brennan Davis was carving at double A. Cubs ended up calling up a triple A outfielder to the major league team. The triple A team needed an outfielder because the Cubs had created a roster spot in triple A they called up Brennan Davis. See how it works? You're not cheering for the minor league clubs to do well because the wins and the losses are the important thing. You want the players at a level to do well so they represent that they deserve a call up to the next level, whatever level that is. And that works all the way from the Dominican League 
to Short Season Ball in Mesa, to Myrtle Beach, to South Bend, to Tennessee, to Iowa, and Chicago. There's never a guarantee in baseball. A player can do very well at advanced A ball, get called up to double A, and get smashed. It happens. It happens. Player can be doing very well at AAA and get called up, promoted to the major leagues, and they get smashed. It happens. It happens. The best way, however, to expect a reasonable possibility of success at the next level is success at the prior level. So whichever player it is that you are promoting or backing or supporting or however you want to phrase it. You want this guy to get promoted to the next level. Cool. Is he shredding the level he's at now? If he's doing that, then it makes sense to call him up to the next level. If he's not shredding at the level he's at, there's no point in promoting him because the next level is going to be more difficult than the level he's at now. Non-roster invites are important because over the course of a season now, teams generally run through 60 players, 60, 65, 70 players. Somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to have a slump. Somebody's going to get sent back down to the minor leagues. Somebody's going to get traded. Somebody's going to get whatever. And if someone in double-A is doing really well. If there is an opening in the AAA roster, if there are more opportunities for that player to play at AAA and earn a promotion, then it might well happen. It's not just about the parent club. It's not just about the parent club as you mind what's going on in spring training, those pitchers that you are completely unfamiliar with, regardless if they are players that pitched a little bit last year or brand spanking new to the Cubs organization, if they are doing well, wherever the heck they are, then they make sense for possibly getting promoted to the next level, whatever the heck level that would be. So it's not a case of I'm cheering for a Lock St. John because I like players that have three names in their name. That's not it. You're hoping Lock St. John does well because if he does well in AAA, then he makes sense as a call-up to the Chicago Cubs. If he's doing lousy in AAA, then there's no reason to call him up to the Chicago Cubs. If the I-Cubs have five or six or seven pitchers who are doing really well out of the bullpen, they have five or six or seven guys that make sense to get called up. They only have one or two guys that are doing well. Those other six guys, well, their job security is in question. Non-roster invites. Everybody has them. Everybody has non-roster invites. You hope yours do better than your rivals. Maybe it happens that way. Maybe it doesn't. Some people don't like 
to have additional names to now have to remember. Guess what, folks? That's where we are. There's a whole bunch of different names, a whole bunch of different attributes, and we're not even used to the guys from last year yet. We're still not even sure if Frank Schwindel or Patrick Wisdom or Rafael Ortega are any good or not. And now we have to get used to Clint Frazier, Harold Ramirez, and a whole bunch of other names. Some are on the 40-man roster. Some are non-roster invites. But as the spring training goes along, you can take it however you want. You can treat spring training in whichever fashion you decide you wish to treat spring training. But to get the most out of spring training, you're probably better off picking three or four names that you are completely unfamiliar with. Completely unfamiliar with and decide, I'm going to pay attention to this specific player when they're in ball games and assess how I think they're doing and if I think they make sense long-term as a Major League Baseball player. And if they end up going to AAA, then I'm going to end up paying attention to them in AAA and learning about them there. I can't force you to do it. I can't force you to do it. Learning about the players. Learning about the players is how we educate ourselves to be more baseball literate. Yeah, it's easy to wax nostalgic and completely justifiable about the players from back when. They are no longer around. To a very large extent, they are no longer around, and the next chapters will be written with different actors. If you're still going to do the I'm going to follow the Cubs thing, get to know the new players, the guys at the big league level, the guys that are developing, and in spring training, Maybe you want to keep an eye on Chase Strump. How's the swing look? How's he look defensively? Whoever it is that you decide, I'm going to pay attention to this guy, then you're going to learn something. You're going to learn something. And as far as spring training, learning something pretty much ought to be the goal. Thanks for stopping by.